0: Hello.
1: Hello, Anthony. Hello, and welcome to a delayed episode of the Inter Show. We've deliberately delayed it so that it fits in with, um, so that next week's episode will fit in with the Hello. aftermath of. Hello. Alessandro. We fit in with the after- aftermath of the 30th of June, which is obviously a key date for Inter. Um, in terms of meeting the Plus Valencia requirements. Um, but the big news today is Raja Nangolan is now a full Interista. Um, he's, uh, he's got all the me- medical stuff done. He's signed. He's here. Uh, Anthony, wh- what what do you think of this news?
0: Yeah, I'm really happy to see Raja come along and um, sign for us. It's Despite it seeming like a lengthy process the last couple of weeks, I think we all need to remember that with the World Cup going on, there's not too much transfer activity being accelerated in the football world. So I actually think we're able to get this deal done quite smoothly. Um, Pros and cons of this move. I actually don't see many cons, despite the fact that maybe he's already come of age a little bit, and he may be seen as someone who may take a slight decline but I think the pros definitely way outweigh the cons in a sense that we've got a very versatile physical player in a position that we really demanded a sort of physical and creative presence. Not only that, there's also the very rational point that you know he's already played under Spalletti in a Spalletti-influenced system and in a team that he coped very well. I think the transition will be very smooth into our side and we don't have to worry about signing a player who's going to struggle to integrate into our system very quickly. So I'm very happy about that as well. What do you guys think of the Rajanangolan transfer?
1: What do you think, Alessandro?
2: Oh, I'm super happy, honestly. Um, yeah, it, I think it's a great player. Uh, last year wasn't doing the the great, but um, it wasn't playing in, in the position it was used to. Um, this year with Paletti, I think is gonna um, return uh, the awesome player he is. Um, So I I just can't
1: wait. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think initially, initially I was a bit uh, hesitant over it because of, because of his age and because of the type of player that he is. Um, They do, the players in that position do tend to age quicker than maybe a more defensive player. That said, um, I think it's a credit to, uh, I'm not. I don't always uh, compliment Sonning and Auxilio, but I think it's a credit to uh, both of them that they've got somebody that the manager really wanted. And after a little bit of un- in- uncertainty following uh, Spalletti's last press conference, I can't. I see him in a situation now where he, he li- you know, he literally has to commit himself um, going forward. He can't. He can't now turn around and say. Inter haven't done what I wanted them to do because the one player that he's seemingly wanted ever since he came to Inter, they've gone out and they've gotten him. Um, the I think it's I think it's really positive and it shows that the club is uh, very willing to uh, back Spalletti and also to spend money when it thinks that the money um, wasn't spending. Obviously, they've let uh, Cancelo and probably Rafinha. Um, go, and I would say that the deal with Nanglean is the is the nail in the coffin as far as Rafinha uh, coming back to Inter is concerned. Um, but whilst they were hesitant to spend the money there, they spent the money with uh, they spent the money with Nanglean, which shows a real sort of decisiveness, I think, as well. Um. My only concern is how does this uh, affect our plus Valenza? I've ha- I've read in, like I said, the dollar spot, that it actually works in our favour because uh, Santon uh, and Zanjalo are going to Roma, but I can I can I, I I I can't understand how spending a lot of money on a player at this stage before the thirtieth of June. Um, is helpful to that situation. Do either of you better understand it than I do?
0: Not um, really at the moment, Andrew. So Alessandra actually might if he wants to give it a go.
2: So um, I'm not 100% sure, but um, it is possible that they're going to uh, put nangolan expenses in the 2018-19 season while they keep the to uh, Santon and Zaniolo in this season for Plus Valencia. I don't know. Again, I'm not totally sure, but I was reading um, an article and they were saying that this 20, 25 million are going to be um, included next season. So I don't know how exactly it works, but that's what I got.
1: So basically, if I'm understanding you right, it's clever accountancy. Correct. Yeah, um, well, dude, once they once they're dotting their eyes and crossing their t's, because the last thing that we want is to do something like this and then find ourselves in a tricky situation, particularly when we can really uh, stamp home the advantage at least uh, in our own uh, backyard, because Milan just seem to be gone from crisis to crisis. Um, there is talk about them um, uh, being purchased by. A new owner. Um, this talk of them potentially getting a huge fine from UEFA, and um, they really seem like they're on a very drastic downward spiral. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it doesn't—it do, it really doesn't look good for them, which might work in our favor in terms of another transfer target, which is uh, Jesus Souza. Um, there was on. FC Inter News. Uh, there is a there is an, um a poll on which winger would you would you pr- prefer Malcolm Politano, Souza, or none of the three? Um, Alessandro, where would you go? Which would you pick if you if if money was no object? Uh, probably, I
2: would pick Souza. I'm a big fan. I think if I I should pick a um, couple of players from our cousins, I would pick Sousa and Conti. Um, if, if you look at the derby of the last couple of years, uh, Souza was the main problem for us. Um, it's quick. It's a small player, but really quick, and he has a good vision. Um, and it's not even that old. Uh, I think it should be younger than Politano. Um, not 100% sure about that. Um, he knows uh, Italian football very well. and So, um, that said, um, I, I'm, I'm really curious about this, the UEFA decision and uh, this Milan situation. Uh, somebody said it's going to be like Two years without um, Europe, plus some fine. Um, I, I don't know. It sounds awful.
1: <laughs> it sounds. It sounds really. Uh, it seems really bad for them. Um, I'm just wondering how deep the problems go, because obviously, um, big clubs like uh, prob- probably not as big as Milan, but big clubs in the past have. Um, found themselves in very difficult situations to do with their uh, finance. I'm thinking primarily in this part of the world of Rangers. Um obviously Milan is a bigger club. I'd like I'd like to say they're not but Milan is a bigger club than uh, than than Rangers. But if it happens to if it happens to one big club, um I personally hope it doesn't doesn't because I wouldn't I'd miss the Derbies. Um but uh a severely weakened Milan I wouldn't complain about. Uh, and if and- if they
2: can add one thing, yeah. Uh, not only that, but um if is really going to be uh two years without um Europe, I wonder what's the the point playing serie A for them. You know, mm-hmm. no matter what position they're gonna get, they're gonna they're not gonna be able to play in Europe and that's a uh, big turn down for the players, for the market they're going to do. So it's, it's, I don't know, it's a really trick situation.
1: Yeah, I, um, Anthony, what do you think of
2: it?
0: Yeah, that last bit that Alessandro said really summed it up really well. In terms of the motivational factor of players coming to Milan, they were already struggling to attract names as it is. Brings back some painful memories of the likes of, you know, Kuzmanovic and Gargano and Dodo and all those mediocre players coming to us in a really poor period of time that we we sort of gave false hope to thinking oh you know let's give them a chance I'm, I'm sure they're up to the task I don't think Milan are going to be able to attract many players that are up to the task and as Alessandro said the the UEFA ruling of no European football puts a huge huge dent in the structure in their motivation and prosperity heading forward in regards to maybe taking advantage of their situation I'll definitely be looking at going for Suso I think when we did play them the last couple of times, he was looking at like the only dangerous one in their attack. So I think if we were to do the whole two birds with one stone thing by weakening a rival and taking one of their more talented players, I'd be all for it. And I think uh, everyone should be thinking of maybe a potential swap with over there. It makes a lot of logical sense. And, you know, if we have to include a tiny little bit of money on top of that, so be it. But I think we're in a position right now where we can afford to be, you know, uh, just a little bit of a flat track bully to AC Milan if they were to cooperate with us in the transfer market. Um, other than that, don't have much to say about Souza and Milan's transfer situation. But I was reading something interesting today that uh, yesterday that you guys might want to comment on. It looks as though Chelsea are actually pretty keen and interested in landing Vecino. And I know that the community is a little bit divided on whether or not to keep him. But I actually see this as a great opportunity for us to cash in on maybe the ignorance and the naivety of the, the English sides because... We as Inter fans saw the struggle last season that Vecino was having in our side, but a lot of those other bigger sides, like the Chelseas and the English sides, they'll look at that header in the last match against Lazio and they'll they'll see him as a true prospect and as a really really good influential player. I'm not saying Vecino is a is a bad player. I think that's an unfair statement to say after a year that was full of topsy turvy moments. But I just think his value he's being valued by Chelsea at a superior price. I think it's around the 35 million mark. So another I two birds be. one stone opportunity there. If we were to maybe get send um, Vecino their way and get maybe Zappa Costa plus a little bit of cash, I think that would be another master stroke. What do you guys reckon?
1: I would agree. I would agree with you. Um, I don't. I. I think. Uh, I think there's a lot of players. And um, the, the the accusation of some of a, a strong level of inconsistency can be leveled at, at the Inter at the moment. Um, reflecting on last season, that's a, uh, and I wouldn't be quick to get rid of Vecino, um, But if you, if if it is the sort of fee that you're talking about, then I think it would make uh, perfect financial sense. Now, um, he is, to, to my understanding, anyway, he's playing very well for a uh, Uruguayan World Cup, um, which is is. You know, is a sign is is a sign that he is a he is a good player, and I do believe that he is. But if he's being overvalued, um, and we should we should definitely cash in on that. I think. Um, just very quickly, my own opinion on Souza. What I would like, uh, why I would like him as opposed to um to other uh, to the other options is. He's already proven that he can cut it at a big club, and um, he's proven that he can handle the pressure of playing at uh, the Miazza. Um, and in that vein, it, it literally it would almost it would almost be a ch- a, a change of a, a change of shirt um, and very, and very little else for him because he's he he's already accustomed to living in Milan. He's already. Um, able to handle that, he's able to uh, adapt the Italian lifestyle and the Milanese lifestyle, he's able to, um, as I said, handle the pressure of playing at the San Siro and for a big club weekend. Week um, I think it makes perfect sense. Uh, Alessandro, what do you think of the Vicino the thing that Anthony was talking about?
2: I think if uh, we really can exchange vicino for Zappacosta and some cash, uh, that would make um, the perfect uh, transfer season for us. Uh, we will cover the right back position, something that we really need to work on. Um, losing a, a midfielder is something that's not that hard to replace nowadays. Um Losing Vecino and find something with the same quality or even better, uh, it shouldn't be a problem. Or we can even pick up somebody from the from the young team. Um, so I, I will be
1: uh, so happy. <laughs> and what about what about the uh, idea of William Cavallo uh, coming to Indra? Um, as it stands. Uh, he he potentially though it's probably unlikely would come on a on a free because he's um, walked away with the, from his contract at Sporting Lisbon and um, basically from what I've read and um, the 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 Sporting players were threatened by their ultras at the at the end of the season when they missed out on Champions League football, which it's similar to ourselves, would be an absolute must for a club of that uh, stature. He's one of the uh, play, a group of players who've walked away from the contracts. Um, is a little bit up in the air at the moment because the owner of a spot in Lisbon is mm-hmm. apparently locking into possibility of... Um, Legal action against these players, um, and that could lead to, or probably would lead to, some element of a transfer fee, but he, it's likely to be much reduced. Um, that what the what the Italian press is saying at the moment is it would either be Cavallo or um, or Dembele from Tottenham. W- which which way would you go with that, Alessandro?
2: So, uh, starting with the um, situation of Sporting, uh, it seems like the president um, quit. I mean, he left the club, um, as as far as I know today. So, I think that situation is to update, and uh, I don't know what's going to happen with all the players. Um, I think. I, I, Today, nobody actually left the club, so um, I see a lot of speculation there. I don't think something's going to happen. Um, but if um, if if the players are actually leaving, um, and we don't have to pay, uh, why not? I mean, it's a free player. Of, you know, it's a, a good good level. Um, I would not invest any money honestly on him. Um, I I rather take Dembélé. Um, but I, I think um we should look for other other players. Um, Dembélé, for what I read, would be interested to join intern just because of the possibility to move in China after so a player that think in that way I don't think it's actually coming to give everything for the team it sounds more like it's trying to um you know um Set up time and spend money and see the future and so I don't know I'm not crazy about
1: neither of them and what? Which w- would you? Would you? Uh, would you pick one um, of the Anthony, or would you, again? Would you be of the opinion that there's better out there?
0: Um, I'd say Dembele is is a much better player than. William Carvalho. Not only that, he's playing for a top team in a top league in the Premier League. I'm very skeptical of bringing players over from our team that aren't that haven't already got experience in, say, maybe England, Spain, or Germany. I think that's a bit of a risk when you jump out of those leagues and purchase players from maybe the French or the Portuguese or the Turkish league. I think it's just a little bit more of a liability, and we've mm-hmm. we've been burnt in the past with some players from um these mm-hmm. leagues. I don't think Carvalho is the kind of player we are looking for that being said if it was a free transfer i would take him with open arms because for a free for a free player he does bring qualities to the team that are many that are very beneficial i'm more concerned about getting involved in Carvalho for legal reasons if sporting are threatening to take legal action against these players we're in a position at the moment where we don't need to be involved with this this kind of behavior even if there's a small risk associated with it we've done all this hard work to get ourselves to a level where we don't need to look behind our shoulder and worry about certain stuff like Milan is worrying about. So I don't think the right decision is to go under undercutting sporting and going for William Carvalho on a free. If it so happens that we need to invest some money in him, I'd be investing the absolute bare minimum. But yeah, definitely not too much. I think Dembele is a better choice. Um, I think the whole deal with him maybe moving to us and then bouncing off to China, while it does make sense logically and would provide a clear path for him to come here, Um, what Alessandro said could be true. He could maybe see it as more of setting up a retirement plan rather than going somewhere with um, motivation and prosperity to continue succeeding. If you're asking me who I'd choose between the two, I'd go Dembele for sure. I think he'd form a good relationship with Brozovic and Rajan Angolan. I honestly think would be the scariest midfield in the league, to be honest, if he was to come, but something in the back of my head is still saying, just hold on to the thought of Rafinha. I, I still really want to see him here next season. And, if he's another player that, you know, if July 1 hits and he still hasn't found a club and um, we're more than willing to put money on the table for him, maybe even at a reduced price because, you know, we won't have to, we won't be under an obligation to purchase him for that fixed price anymore. We'll see how we go. So long story short, I'd take Dembele over Carvalho, but I've still got my Raffinia tinted goggles on, to be honest, guys.
1: <laughs> i I I'd agree i agree with you. Um, the the problem is, and obviously, uh, you know, there's, there's there's been fabulously talented footballers that have come from um, that have started, that have played in leagues that uh, that aren't um, of sort of the top top quality, and have still gone on um, to to play uh, football in sort of the big four leagues and have a very huge impact. I'm thinking of people like uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, um, Figo, uh, even Henrik who spent seven years at Celtic um, and no disrespect to any of those uh, those leagues or the clubs that they were with um, but they, they moved on and played for top top um, draw and were were the best were some were amongst the best players in those teams, um, but I do I am hesitant to um, plug a player directly out of the out of um, a league that's sort of a little bit below um, the Italian, German, uh, English, and Spanish leagues, and put them into a league um, where they're expected to perform week in week out. Against, let's be honest, uh, 16, 17 other clubs um, that are going to give you a hard game every week. It's a There's a big difference between playing for a big club um, when particularly your away matches are going to be very, very hard week in, week out, um, to playing for a, a huge club in a, in a smaller pond and... Um, so I would go with uh, I would go with Dembele uh, on that front. I think. Um, but, uh, there's not much else happened at Inter at the moment, um, but obviously the, the World Cup is going on. So we cannot. We can't. We can't. Uh, let the show go by without uh, referencing referencing that. Um, Anthony I think you you have a big match is it tomorrow is it it's tomorrow morning your time I think is it
0: Yeah it's uh, our time tomorrow morning up against Peru it is a big one so Australia we need we need a lot of goals and we need France to score a lot of goals against Denmark as well for us to have a shot
1: and do you think you can make it through?
0: I think we're showing a lot of heart, a lot of fight, and a lot of tenacity. I think um, during the build up to the world, well, there was a lot of pessimism because I think we were the last nation out of 32 to actually appoint a head coach. Um, but then with Van Marwick coming in, he's definitely implemented a style of football in Australia that we don't see very often. The players are taking more time on the ball to pass it around and create a very good structured attack. Whereas uh, Australia was a national team that, you know, would hoof the ball forward. Pretty much nine times out of ten against superior opponents. So you know, I think the boys have definitely done their job already. They'll come home to a very, very proud reception. But one game left, and we're all in for it, one hundred percent.
1: Yeah, I just looking at the group actually. Um, my reading of it is that uh, Denmark at the moment have plus one goal goal difference and Australia um, are on minus one goal difference, and there's three points between them. So the, it, it doesn't actually require that big a swing for uh, for Australia to, to get through. And Australia um, have scored the same amount of goals as, uh, um, as Denmark. So my understanding would be if France were to beat Denmark 1-0, um, and remember France are going to want to top the group, um if france were to beat denmark 1-0 and australia were to win 1-0 that would take australia through um, the only the only problem i can see is uh in italy uh they call it the biscotto um mm-hmm. if france and denmark were to uh somehow draw their match um not, 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 not suggesting for a minute that they will. But if they were, then that would um, suit France because France would finish top of the group, and Denmark would also go through. Um, but I don't know how. I don't know how much um, these kind of things are paper talk, or how much they happen in reality. I know uh, Alessandro is an Italian. You, you'll have a, um, you'll you'll have a bad memory of that.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very bad memory. I oh, think we were on the original Biscotto a big team.
1: Just got run us through that again.
2: Oh, um, uh, I think uh, we needed, um, what was it? Uh, Sweden. And honestly, I don't remember the other team. Denmark, okay. uh, Denmark, yeah, one of the two to to win and uh, they they play a really bad game, finished two two if I'm not um, yeah, to remember well. Um, and um yeah, it was just painful to watch. <laughs> but I mean I I can't really say anything in this World Cup.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I, I um it was uh, it was it was um, it was a situation where if uh, Denmark and Sweden drew two each, um, it meant that whatever happened in Italy's match, Italy were out. Um, is my yeah. understanding of it, and lo-, lo and behold, it ended up as a as a two-all draw, um, and. The rest is the rest. I think is history. Who's caught your eye at the World Cup this year, uh, Alessandro? Um,
2: I have to say, Belgium and England—they're uh, looking really good. Um, it is true they didn't play against any big name, uh, but as I as I was saying a couple of weeks ago, um, I think on paper, Belgium team is awesome. Um, they have maybe the defense um, is not as strong as the midfielder and the attack, but I, I don't see any defense in any national team that strong. Maybe Brazil on paper, but um, just on paper.
1: <laughs> I would have said, and probably a slight bias here, but I would have said to. Um, do... France has caught France has caught my eye whilst not playing particularly good football um, yeah. because defensively um, they seem to be they seem to be uh, rock solid and they're almost going through the the, the tournament so far anyway in a very un French style more so, more more like a more like a German style of um, being efficient getting the job done but not necessarily being spectacular. Um and I do I do think that 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 basis can can stand to them going on through the tournament. I was also going to say until today um, that I I thought Russia had been playing very well. Um but obviously they, they got hammered today by Uruguay, which perhaps paints a different picture. Um the matches that have just finished was uh, heart-wrenching for Morocco because they um, they, they missed out on uh, beating Spain um, by a, with a controversial uh, Spanish goal in injury time. It was on site. I, I, I would have loved to have seen Morocco win but there's no point in me uh, saying otherwise it, it was it was on site and the decision to go to VAR and award the goal was, was correct but I would have loved to have seen them when it particularly, as they've had um, a disappointing World Cup, it would have uh, given them something to be proud of on, on their the way home. Um, Iran uh, have had a, a really um, significant World Cup, uh, and they, they, they were they're unlucky to they're unlucky to have um, gone out tonight. They, obviously they beat Morocco in the first match um they only went down 1-0 to spain in the second and they drew uh with Iran, uh, they drew with portugal tonight um and one more goal would have would have meant that they went through so it is a, it's a huge credit um uh in regards to their performance and anthony what's your reading of the tournament so far
0: yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you in a sense that France really haven't gotten out of second gear, but they've been able to get the job done. You know, when we're watching the match, Australia versus France, a couple of friends that I was with who don't watch football on a weekend, week to week basis domestically, you know, we're up in arms saying, you know, this France team isn't that good. Australia is giving them a run for money. But when you analyze it from a, from a footballing perspective, this is just a French team who is absolutely stocked to the depth with world-class talent so that's why they are able to carry out the entire intensity of the 90 minutes plus more at pretty much the same rate that they have the whole match when teams start to get fatigued they'll stay at the same level of intensity and they'll get the job done so while they haven't you know the world cup on fire i'd say france is still head and shoulders my favorite to take it home other notable nations i think yeah england and belgium are doing well but i'd um I'll just be very skeptical about how they fare in the round of 16 because they've had two very easy matches and they'll come up against each other in a fixture where the loser basically gets a second chance. And of course, we all want to top the group, but I think that'll, that'll make the teams play a little bit more complacent than they would if there was something on the line. I know Lukaku, um, who's been on fire so far, will probably be rested for the match because he picked up a small, small knock in his quad or something like that. Something that he's not going to be risked for the England game. But other than that, we've seen a few big nations like struggle and stumble to get over the line, like Germany, like Spain. So, um, very interesting going forward. We'll see what happens. But I'd say France is still my favorite. But I'm looking at the table right now, and you know, with that win, Uruguay takes the top spot. Russia finishes second. And um, I didn't realize that that table there at the end in Group B actually changed right at the end as well, with Iran's late equalizer and Spain's late equalizer. Portugal and Spain have swapped positions, so we've now got Spain up top in Group B, who will play Uruguay. Um, oh, sorry, sorry, Spain on top in Group B, who will now play Russia, and Portugal, who will play Uruguay. I personally feel as though Portugal will go into that match more confident than going in against Russia. Even if Uruguay are a slightly better team and more compact, I think playing the hosts is just something that you don't really want to do um, just yet. Yeah, just not just yet in the tournament. So, I think I think Spain will have their work cut out for them in the round of 16.
1: Yeah, and just to reference other news that's happened um, at Inter during the past week, um, the under 16 team joined the under 15 and Primavera sides as the title champions. Um, wow. Then today, uh, the Inter under 17 women's team. Also won the scudetto, so the youth department is really, um, is really working very, very well. Uh, that's that's all we've got to cover, uh, for for tonight. Um, I my thanks to Anthony and to Alessandro, and I'll sign off with Forza Inter and let uh, Alessandro and um and Anthony uh sign up in their own way.
0: Thanks. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Alessandro. Forza Inter. Till next time.
2: Thank you, guys. Always a pleasure. Forza Inter.